Well, hopefully you've enjoyed Christmas movies uh, this season as we've been talking about them and, and maybe seeing them in a different light, maybe even looking into different movies and trying to find the meaning behind that or a meaning that would happily help you kind of approach Christmas in a different way and, and bring some more hope or love or joy or peace. Those are the four words that we've been talking about through this series. And we'll wrap it up on Christmas Eve. You've got to be back here on Christmas Eve. Bring you, bring your mama, bring your daddy, bring your kids, bring your neighbor, bring your coworkers, bring the people off the street. It's going to be a great, great opportunity. Christmas Eve, four and six o'clock. You're not going to want to miss it. It's a Wonderful Life. Great movie. Who has ever seen that before? A few of you, if not, come. To t- we'll watch the movie before we get here, right? So you got, you got one week to watch it. There you go. Get on it. Hey, today we're talking about a Miracle on 34th Street. came out in 1947, so you've had a long time to see it if you haven't. I don't know why you haven't. It's about time. And uh, it's a great, great movie. Who's seen it? Uh, they remade it in the 90s. Both are really, really quality. Uh, it's actually, it actually presented and released in the summer of all places because they didn't think Christmas movies were a good time. People wouldn't go to see Christmas movies, uh, go to see movies at all during Christmas season. So it was released in the summer, but it took off. It was so, so popular. It's about this little girl, doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Her mom is a publicist of Macy's. They hire this guy off the street to play Santa Claus. He is the real Santa Claus. I'll spoil the movie for you because it's been since 47. You've had your chance to see it. And, <laughs> and he goes through this whole movie of trying to prove he's really there. And then the miracle happens. The miracle on 34th Street. 34th Street is where Macy's is. That's where they get the name. But the, the miracle happens. This little girl gets exactly what she wants for Christmas. She gets what she wants because she goes to Santa. She doesn't believe in Santa, hasn't asked anything for Santa. Her mom and dad bring her toys, or her mom brings her toys, gets her what she wants for, for Christmas. And so, but she goes to Santa and she asks him for a, a house, a dad, and a, a swing on a tree in the backyard. And, well, you guys probably know what happens, but let's watch this clip from it. Awfully silly, Mr. Gailey. Well, I thought as long as we're in the store, you might as well say hello to Santa Claus. Why? Because when you talk to him, you might feel differently about him. Goodbye, Elma. You're a good boy now. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Well, young lady, what's your name? Susan Walker, what's yours? Mine, Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Oh, you don't believe that, do you? Mm-mm. You see, my mother's Mrs. Walker, the lady who hired you. Oh. But I must say, you're the best-looking one I've ever seen. Really? Your beard doesn't have one of those things that goes over your ears. Well, that's because it's real, just like I'm really Santa Claus. Oh, go ahead, pull it. All right, folks, don't crowd. You have all day to see Santa Claus. Now, chill and behave. This way, please. Get back in the line there now. And now, what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Oh, come now. You must want something. Whatever I want, my mother will get for me. If it's sensible and doesn't cost too much, of course. Hello, Mother. Hello, Susan. Hello, Mr. Gailey. I think you've taken up enough with this gentleman's time now. Come along, dear. The uh, explanation for this is all very simple. 
Cleo's mother's brained her ankle. She had to go home, so she asked me to bring Susie down to you. Yes, I know. Cleo called me. I've been wondering where you were. Well, I thought as long as we're here, we might as well say hello to Santa Claus. He's a nice old man, Mother. And those whiskers are real, too. Yes, yes, dear. Many men have long beards like that. Uh, Susan, would you stand over here a minute? I want to talk to Mr. Gailey. I shouldn't have brought Susie to see Santa Claus, huh? <laughs> now you're making me feel like the proverbial stepmother. Well, I'm sorry, but it's just that I couldn't see any harm in just saying hello to the old fellow. But I think there is harm. I tell her Santa Claus is a myth, and you bring her down here, and she sees hundreds of gullible children, meets a very convincing old man with real whiskers. This sets up a very harmful mental conflict within her. What is she going to think? Whom is she going to believe? by filling them full of fairy tales, they grow up considering life a fantasy instead of a reality. They keep waiting for Prince Charming to come along. When he does, he turns out to be a... We were talking about Susie, not about you. Well, whether you agree or not, I must ask you to respect my wishes regarding Susan. She's my responsibility, and I must bring her up as I see fit. Say thank you, Santa Claus. Thank you. Bye. Merry Christmas. Well, young lady, and what's your name? I'm sorry she doesn't speak English. She's Dutch. She just came over. She's been living in an orphan's home in Rotterdam ever since. Oh, we've adopted her. I told her you wouldn't be able to speak to her. But when she saw you in the parade yesterday, she said you were Santa Claus, as she calls you. And you could talk to her. Well, I didn't know what to do. Hello. Ich bin blöd, dass ihr gekommen bin. Oh, Ben Sinterklaas. Yes. Ah, ja, sicher. Ich wüsste, Bell. Ich war sicher, dass ihr euch selber greifen. Natürlich. Sag mal, was ihr so will haben, Ben Sinterklaas. Nix. Ich hab von alles. Ich will allein mal bei dieser Liebe damals sein. <laughs> will ihr was gut mit singen? Sinterklaas Kapuntje, geef het in mijn schoentje, geef het in mijn laarsje. Dank u Sinterklaasje, Sinterklaas Kapuntje, geef wat in mijn schoentje, geef wat in mijn laarsje. Dank je Sinterklaasje. So join me, Sinterklaas Kapunt. No, I'm kidding. We won't go there. <laughs> I'm glad that the whole movie is, is not in, uh, in, in Dutch, right? Hey, so here's, here's the main thing about this movie. It won, it won um, Oscars. It won awards. It's part of your Christmas experience. It was so good they actually remade it. I mean, there's a lot of great things about it. But there was something about this movie that's really important for us to know and who we are in our culture. It created a whole genre. It created a whole genre of expecting a Christmas miracle. I experienced a Christmas miracle this week. We made the exclamation, exclamation in our house, a Christmas miracle when we got online and we thought something was sold out on Amazon Prime, but it had one left. It was a Christmas miracle. And it's Amazon Prime, so it'll be here in two days by drone to our front desk, right? Our front step. I mean, we use this phrase Christmas miracle all the time to mean all sorts of things. You guys have experienced this. You've watched the, the 12 Dates of Christmas, that movie, right? Who's seen it? 
Go ahead, you can come out. It's not that bad. Of, yes, it is. It's a terrible movie. Don't go say it. No, I'm kidding. We experience, the whole Hallmark Channel has Christmas movies based upon this idea. Someone needs something to happen. And on Christmas morning, it's a Christmas miracle. Santa buddies. Who's seen Santa buddies? We should use that one during this series, right? It's a Christmas miracle. Things happen through Christmas, and so much we built this into us where the, where the expectation of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, is that Christmas morning is going to be awesome. This Christmas is going to be so much better than last year. This Christmas is going to be so much better than the Christmas we experienced as kids. It's so much better than anything we want. We want more Christmas, bigger Christmas, better Christmas. And we want this miracle. Now, I believe in Jesus, that Jesus is real. And I believe that Jesus works miracles even today. And I believe if we kind of talk through this for a moment, we'll find that there's meaning behind this movie and the meaning is Jesus. We've been lifting this screen to show the cross as a symbol to say that there's meaning behind the movies that we watch and trying to find the real stories of Christmas. Well, here's one story. It's about a story about Jesus and interacting. He's in Jerusalem, and, and he interacts with this, this paralyzed man. And the paralyzed man lived at this one area outside of Jerusalem where all the people would gather, all the people who were sick, blind, uh, paralyzed. All of them would go in this one area, and they had this belief that if the water would stir in this pool, they believed that some kind of Christmas angel, I guess, would stir the water and then the miracle would happen. And if they could get into that water first, that person would be healed. Well, let's read the story. Let's, let's, before I get far, this is what it says. It's John chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, after Jesus returned to Jerusalem from one of the Jewish holidays, inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years when Jesus saw him. When Jesus noticed this individual, 38 years of being paralyzed, 38 years of no hope, no movement, stuck, right? When Jesus sees him, he asks him this question. He knew he'd been ill for a long time and asks, would you like to get well? He responds this way. I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. There's an exclamation point there. This is, we're going to go three exclamation points. This is big stuff. This is miracle stuff, right? Instantly, the man was healed. Exclamation point. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Exclamation point. Miracle just happened to this man. This is amazing, Right? Yeah, hopefully you feel that way. But this miracle, here's another story that kind of involves this, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. Jesus is working on the Sabbath. They have a problem with him. Jesus always seemed to run kind of contrary to the religious elite, and he gets a little bit of this right here. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. I guess working was carrying his mat and walking. And so they were challenging him, but they asked him this. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat, but he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. It's his fault. He told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing? They demanded. They didn't know. He, the man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, this is, this is so peculiar, guys. Listen to this. Look at this. 
But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. And then it wraps up, then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now, it's an amazing miracle. We could just talk about this man being healed. We could talk about him being sick for so long. We could talk about his hope. We could talk about his desire. Do you really want to get well? There's a great sermon inside that question that Jesus asked. But here's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about any of that. I want to talk about that one weird question that Jesus asked, the one weird statement Jesus asked. Why in the world, this man who's been sick for 38 years and is walking, I've, had, I've witnessed three kids learn how to walk. It's not a pretty experience. It's cute because they're young, right? But a 38-year-old, at least walking, that's weird, okay? Stumbling around, fumbling around, carrying his mat, walking to the temple. He hasn't been to the temple in 38 years. Of course, that's going to be the first place he goes. That's where God lives. That's where he wants to experience God. He goes right to there, and then he gets there, gets questioned by the religious elite. They got their whole agenda, and then Jesus totally calls them out for it. This doesn't seem like a miracle to me. It seems like something else going on here. And here's the heart behind it, okay? Miracles happen. Changes happen in our lives. They cause us to do things different. But usually our mind doesn't quite catch up to our habits. Did you catch that? If we really, really want to experience something different, something marvelous, something, something unbelievable, it starts not with doing something different, but in a hope of something different. Wanting something different and believing that that different thing can happen in the person of Jesus. Here's, here's the thought. Here's the thought. is The miracle is not about the miracle. We miss the miracle because we end up being on the wrong street. We end up, we end up seeking, it's not about seeking miracles, but it's about arriving at the correct street. This is the miracle on 34th Street. Not the miracle on 43rd Street. Not the miracle on 64th Street. Not the miracle on Main Street. Not the miracle on Church Street. Not the miracle on M15. It's the miracle on 34th Street. And in order to experience the miracle, I believe you have to be on the right street. That's your responsibility. If you want to see a miracle, then you have to be on the right street. Now, what is the right street. Where do we go to find miracles? Well, here it is. If you want to see miracles, this is, the, this is the whole sermon. You can sleep after this, okay? Here it is. Jesus is the way. He's the street. He's the road. He's the boulevard. He's the pathway. He's the highway. He's the byway. Jesus is the way. The Bible says Jesus claimed that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to experience miracles but except through Jesus. Jesus is the way. But we miss the miracle because we end up being somewhere else with the miracle happening over there. Maybe we're away or a block away or a city away or worlds away. But the miracle happens over there, and we don't get to experience, we don't get to realize what God is doing, because it's happening over there, and we're focused on something else. And you know this. You experience this. You feel this. And why? Because I know I feel this. Let me talk about three streets 
that, that are the wrong roads to be on. Three common roads that we find ourselves on that allow us to miss the miracle that happens. Three things. First one is commercial lane. Anyone caught up with the commercialism of Christmas? Now, this movie talks about that. This movie talks about Santa. Uh, they, they come to Santa, and they ask for a toy, and, and then he pulls mom over and says, hey, go over to Gimbel's, which is the rival store, and buy it from there because it's cheaper. And then the, the suits are like, what are you doing? You're sending people to other stores. That's terrible marketing. And Santa doesn't know marketing. And so, but he says, listen, this is the right way to go. And so the, the mom tells all her moms in her mom's club, I guess, and they all go buy things and they all come to Macy's to buy everything else because Macy's is now the honest store and the happy store. So you battle this kind of commercialism. Now you guys know commercialism. You guys know this. Television commercials hijack your kids' minds and they tell them what they want for Christmas. The kids don't know what they want for Christmas. They have no idea unless they watch Disney Junior. And on Disney Junior, they tell them exactly what they want. And that's what I want. Because so-and-so has that. Or I want that because that's what everyone has. And you know this is true because you're the same way. You will go out and you will buy something on Black Friday that you don't need because it's like 120% off. And oh my gosh, that's the best deal I've ever found in the world. And how do I know that's true? Because I do it. I do it too. I get caught up with this idea of I want something or I feel like I'm going to miss out on a deal or miss out on an opportunity. My daughter came home this week and she was so, so, had this perfect idea. She's a lot like her dad. She gets these great ideas and thinks it's the only idea in the world and everyone else is wrong but her. And, and she just comes home and she says, listen, we need to get an elf on the shelf. Anyone, anyone do Elf on the Shelf? You know what I'm talking about? All right, this is a book, and this elf, I guess, shows up on the shelf, and he, like, watches you or something like that, I guess, and then he does, like, crazy things. I've seen some pictures online of the elf doing crazy things, and then he brings toys, I guess. We don't do it in our house, but, but she came home with this idea because she had met someone in her, in her school that has, does this, and actually the person in her school said, I, I tell you what, you don't do Elf on the Shelf, I will ask my elf to get you an elf and then you can put it on your shelf and then it'll do these amazing things. So she comes home saying, I've asked my friend to get my friend's friend's elf to bring home an elf for me so we can put it on the shelf and then he can do these amazing things that every morning up to Christmas I get presents. And I'm like, what do we get wrapped up into? I'm homeschooling my kid now. <laughs> and I say, no, Hannah. We're not going to do the elf on the shelf. I mean, tears, anger. She was reaching around for something to throw at her dad. I mean, she was upset. It's like a ruined Christmas. I am the Grinch right there in that moment. And I said, listen, Hannah, it's not about that. And as we kind of talked through it, she was, you could see it on her face. It was like I just crushed her world. And I'm thinking, what did I just do to Christmas? So I try to, try to do the nice parenting thing, and I try to comfort her, and I'm not always great with that, but I say, hey, well, what about Jesus? And she's like, well, I like Jesus, but I want to have an elf too. I'm like, okay, let's, let's try to work this through. I said, well, how about this, Hannah? How about you get out your Bible? How about you open up your, your Bible app on your iPad and go through the story of Christmas? You know that story, Hannah. Why don't you walk over to our manger scene here? 
and look through that story of Christmas and remember it. And then think about an option of how you might feel the real meaning of Christmas in something that combines with this idea of this weird person sitting on a shelf watching you. Well, she did what every great, great kid does. She went and asked mom. (laughs) And mom and her got together and they researched and they came up with this idea. And the idea is that we have an Advent elf, Advent angel. Can we show that Advent angel? This is Hannah's Advent angel. It's actually a Barbie doll. It actually has Christmas underwear on that she's duct taped to the Barbie doll. And she's created the wings, and it's beautiful. I mean, she is super, super creative. Believe me, this is awesome. And this Advent angel shows up, not every morning, but sometimes. And, and it gives them, the kids, an Advent action to do. Like one time this past week, it told them, get your clothes on, your warm clothes, and go out and help shovel someone's walk. Which pretty much means dad shovels the walk, but... It was the action that counted, right? One of them was, go and buy flowers for a teacher this week and bring them to school. One was, tell a friend. What's that, what's that friend that no one likes in your school, the lonely person in your class? Maybe what could you do for them for Christmas? So we, we, we missed a day with this. And, and, and Hannah comes home from school and the angel's not out, and it has no Advent action or whatever. But instead of looking around for the, 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 the thing to do, she, she goes and grabs a bunch of paper and creates handcrafted snowflakes to give to all the lunch ladies in her school. I'm proud of my daughter. Because here's what happened. She took this idea of what can I get? What am I missing? What is it about me? And she turned it outward. She turned it outside. We did it for Joshua too. Here's here's Joshua's angel. (laughs) So the miracle's over here, but you're focused on you. You're focused on what you want for Christmas. You're focused on what you're going to miss out in your experience. The miracle's over there. Things are happening over there. There's people that are, being, that are people being set free. Lives are being changed. Marriages restored. People healed from illness. But you're too busy focusing on this. And you're on the wrong street, aren't you? So how do you move from that street to Jesus' way, to Jesus' boulevard? to the place where miracles happen. Let me give you an option. The best way that I know to quit focusing on myself is to simply quit focusing on myself and make a conscious effort to conquer my selfishness and put it on over there. I've been brought to tears, anger, some other emotions too. I don't even know if I could name them. Every time I see on my Twitter feed the pictures that come out of Aleppo, I saw a video of a kid crying in the street. My sisters are dead. My sisters are gone. Younger than my Hannah is this boy. It breaks my heart. Knowing that I want to do something, but what can I do, right? 
I mean, it's a mess over there. I mean, it is a literal mess. But then I think, you know what? I know someone who helps refugees. <laughs> I, I know a place that helps refugees. And so you can partner with us too. On Christmas Eve, we're going to take an offering. And we're going to give it to the churches in Jordan that are going to help refugees. Now, are they going to help them all? No. Are they going to change everyone's life? Are they going to change the situation? No. But they will help. And it's a lot better than me focused on myself at Christmas. And maybe if I do that, maybe if I, I, I allow the things at Christmas is more about the meaning, Jesus coming and giving of himself, and less about me, maybe that'll allow me to experience a Christmas miracle. Well, that's not the only street that we end up. The other street, and some of you are here or some of you know someone, it's called what I call Skeptic Street. And that's the idea of you look across the street and you see all the miracles over there. And you think, oh man, that person got healed of cancer. It wasn't really cancer. I mean, they must have been misdiagnosed. I don't know why I keep looking over at you guys like you guys are the bad people, right? You guys are on the wrong street. Get over there, right? I'll, I'll, I'll yell at you guys for a little while. You, you talk about this idea of skepticism. You talk about this idea of, of doubt. This idea of, we don't believe this idea. It's not based on facts. The scientific proof behind it. Yeah, their marriage was in the rocks and they got back together, but it wasn't really that bad. That prodigal that was out there just doing terrible, terrible things came home for Christmas. It's a Christmas miracle. Well, they didn't really that bad. They are just out there sowing their wild oats. They are just out there making mistakes like everyone else does. It's not really a miracle. And you set this idea, and it places yourself at a safe distance away to look at them and say, yeah, that's not real. And if you think about it, this skepticism doesn't just end there. It comes to the very source of where that miracle happens. You look at people and you say, this idea of Jesus, this idea of who he is, that he came, is just a myth. It's a story. The Bible's not real. Maybe people with weak minds believe that. Hear what I gotta say. I, I don't want to downplay your thoughts in any way, shape, or form, okay? I don't want to downplay anything you are. All I want to do is I want to ask you, have you researched the facts? Have you looked at the facts of Jesus' birth, Jesus' life, the validity of the four Gospels? Have you researched that, or are you basing that on what someone else has told you? Are you basing that on what you were taught to believe? Or is that easier for you to believe? Be as skeptical with yourself as you are with that and, and at least ask yourself that question. Where does this idea come from? Now, if you need options, I've got two for you, okay? I've got two for you. We ordered a bunch of these books and I think we could some of you have already got one on the way in. It's called The Case for Christmas. It's written by an atheist, who was a legally trained uh, uh, reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And he set out to disprove Christianity, but in the process of that, ended up in a different spot. And so he takes the, the ideas of Christmas and the concepts of Christmas, and he lays it out in a very easy, really, really easy way to read. It's like 100 pages. 
and at least get you started with that process of saying, maybe I'm coming at it from a different way. Maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe I at least need to consider the facts in a different way. There's also on our Bible app through the, the YouVersion app today, you can download a reading plan, One Minute Apologist, based on Christmas. It's a five-day reading plan. You'll be done by Christmas. You can download that and start that right today. Two options for you, okay? I've got enough books for everyone, uh, well, every family. And, but if you need one, come see it. Amy and Murray, right here, raise your hand, guys. These are great people. They've wrestled with these issues. They, they know this. They, they're just awesome people. Here's my thought is, I wanted to give you a book that's going to answer questions, but I want a smiling face behind it. And I know their heart, and they'll be great smiling people. So they'll be out there. If you have any questions, comments, come see us. We want to give you an option this Christmas to at least start the discussion in your brain about what it is and maybe move from Skeptic Street. Last Street. Disappointment Boulevard. This is the hardest one to talk about. This is the hardest part because some of you come to Christmas and Christmas services because this is part of the season, but some of you don't ever go to to church in any other way because church has hurt you. God has hurt you. You prayed for that miracle. You prayed and prayed and prayed, and they still died. You prayed and prayed and prayed and your marriage still failed. You prayed and prayed and prayed and that person didn't turn out the way you wanted them to or that event didn't turn out the way. You still got laid off. You still got fired. You ended up disappointed. And it's a lot easier for you to say, I'm not going down that road again. I'm not going to put myself out there again to this idea of a miracle that Jesus can do in my life because because. It just hurts too much. You know, 100 years ago, we really believed that there were, there were four dimensions that lived in our world. Height, depth, width, and time. But then all of a sudden, a guy by the name of Einstein dropped the theory of relativity, right? And blew everyone's mind. And now, based upon what theory you believe, there's either 11 dimensions or 21 dimensions. So let's just say there's 11 dimensions. Let's say there are 11 dimensions based upon the four that you constantly experience. Let's say Jesus experienced, God experiences an 11-dimensional time. Don't you think that there might be something that you don't understand? Don't you think that in the midst of disappointment, it's hard to see the big picture going on even though your world is collapsing? And I know that might not be the truth that you need. But here's what else I can offer to you. For those that have been hurt by the church, those that have been hurt by Jesus' agents, Jesus' servants, Jesus' people, I can say with a powerful sense behind it that this church vows to be different. And how do I know that? Because I can run into people that have nothing to do with church and I can run with them down at the urban garden this past summer during our serve day and I can talk to them and they can say, you know what? This is amazing that your church gives of your time to come down and do this. Your church is There's people in our church that have a terrible, terrible past. And you might say, well, that's me. Yeah, (laughs) we all do, right? I mean, terrible things. I mean, bad things, guys. 
And guess what? They're still here. They're part of our church. They're growing, walking with Jesus. Why? Because this church is different. And I can offer that to you. And I don't know what other way to do it other than this, because it's kind of Christmassy, is I want to give you a Christmas candy cane. So we got candy canes out there on the table. And here's the idea, okay? What I want you to think about when you take this candy cane is that it's sweet and we love you and all the rest of that. But here's the idea is we want you to be hooked with us. You are important with us. We want you. We want to walk with you. We want to walk in your story with you. You matter to us. You're important to us. I don't care about the disappointment in the past. We'll let God deal with that at the point. But let the Christmas miracle means we want you. And you don't even have to join the church. You don't even have to come often. We just want you because we think you're awesome. And you're worth it. So what street you are? Where are you... What's keeping you from that Christmas miracle? That opportunity to experience God in a real way. Let's watch one more clip from the movie and then we'll wrap up. Hey, darling. Sorry I'm late. Get your coat. I reserved a regular table at Luigi's. We're going to celebrate. What are we celebrating? Read all about it. Danny throws bombshell in New York Supreme Court. Yes, I read that. Oh, I didn't see this. Front page. Good, good. You're not serious about this. Of course I am. But you can't possibly prove that he's Santa Claus. Why not? You saw Macy and Gimble shaking hands. That wasn't possible either, but it happened. Honestly, It's Fred. the best defense I can use. Completely logical and completely unexpected. And completely idiotic. What about your bosses, Hayslip and Mackenzie and the rest of them? What do they say? <laughs> that I am jeopardizing the prestige and dignity of an old established law firm, and either I drop this impossible case immediately, or they will drop me. See? I beat to it. I quit. Fred, you didn't. Of course I did. I can't let Chris down. He needs me, and all the rest of us need him. Look, darling, he's a nice old man, and I admire you for wanting to help him. But you've got to be realistic and face facts. You can't just throw your career away because of a sentimental whim. But I'm not throwing my career away. But if Hayslip feels that way, so will every other law firm in town. I'm sure they will. Then I'll open my own office. And what kind of cases will you get? Oh, probably a lot of people like Chris that are being pushed around. That's the only fun in law anyway. And I promise you, if you believe in me and have faith in me, everything will... You don't have any faith in me, do you? It's not a question of faith, it's just common sense. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. Oh. Don't you see, it's not just Chris that's on trial, it's everything he stands for. It's oh, kindness Fred. and joy and love and all the other intangibles. Oh, Fred, you're talking like a child. You're living in a realistic world, and those lovely intangibles of yours are attractive but not worth very much. You don't get ahead that way. That all depends on what you call getting ahead. Evidently, you and I have different definitions. These last few days, we've talked about some wonderful plans. And then you go on an idealistic binge. You give up your job, you throw away all your security, and then you expect me to be happy about it. Yes, I guess I expected too much. Look, Doris, someday you're going to find out that your way of facing this realistic world just doesn't work. 
And when you do, don't overlook those lovely intangibles. You'll discover they're the only things that are worthwhile. So when you seek that Christmas miracle, and you, it's something that you really desire, something you pray about, something you want, and, and then you hear the really hard words, and, and that's what comes out of there, is this idea of, yeah, I, uh, I don't believe in you. It's not about seeking miracles. It's about following Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, you will experience miracles. You will see miracles. The choice is following Jesus. So there's a great quote in the movie, and you missed it there in the very first clip. And it's where the, the little girl goes to, to see Santa. She's like, why would I want to do this? I don't believe in him. It's not worth it. And he says this to her. He says, if you talk to him, you might feel differently about him. So I wonder if we took time to talk to him, would we feel differently about him? You know I'm not talking about Santa Claus, right? When's the last time you talked to him? When's the last time you, you, you told him where you are in your life? When's the last time you went to him and, and, and actually went and crossed the street to where he's at? say, well, I don't know what to tell him. What do I say? How about you tell him what you want for Christmas? How about you tell him that? Start there. Start about what kind of miracle you would want to see in your life or what your life could become. Talk about the, the hope that you want, the hope that he brings. And we'll see what kind of miracles happen. We'll see what God does. Let you stand. We're going to take a moment. We're going to sing. If you want to use the altars, by all means, they're here for you. If you want to make an altar into your seat, that's fine. If you want to grab a book or two on the way out, that's fine. If you need to grab that candy cane and symbolize that you're important, you're valued, that's okay too. If you need to talk or pray, we're here for you. Father, we love you and we thank you. We invite you into this moment. Come in the only way that you can work a miracle.